My name is Sharon Betters, and I want to welcome you to this resource produced by Mark Inc. Ministries. It is part of our Help and Hope audio library. And this Help and Hope audio library deals with life crises that are often difficult to talk about, let alone to experience. We tell stories. We have created a platform where someone who has experienced circumstances that perhaps have been beyond their control or maybe because of choices that they've made, um, those circumstances have created a lot of anguish and pain and are often experienced in isolation and loneliness. And our goal is to offer you these stories as a means to have someone ahead of you in the journey, someone further along who can call back and give you the encouragement you need for this moment and for being able to continue to walk in the pathway you're on. It's also a resource that helps equip those who want to come alongside of those who are hurting. Uh, often someone will hear one of our stories and then they'll give it to their family and friends and say, if you want to know how to help me, listen to this. If you want to know how I feel, listen to this. So we're so grateful that you are listening today. Uh, we today are going to be talking about a really hard life circumstance, a life pathway, and it is a topic of depression. We know that depression has all different kinds of forms. It could be something very temporary, like you feel blue for a while, but you're able to work your way out of it easily, or maybe not so easily. But we're going to be talking about depression that is long-term, that is difficult, and yet there is help and hope. And I have in the studio with me today, Danielle. Danielle Slaughter has agreed to share her story, and Danielle, I want to welcome you. Danielle, I was looking up some statistics about depression to prepare for our time together, and I was kind of startled by what I discovered. I discovered that depression affects more than 15 million Americans. That's a lot of people. That's 6.7% of the population 18 or older. And so then when you start thinking about young people, 20% of teens experience depression before adulthood. And 70% of those will have more than one episode before adulthood. Um, that's startling to me. And it's kind of overwhelming. We think, what can we do to offer help? And then bringing it even more uh, closer to home is women are twice as likely to experience depression. So it's very appropriate that you are here today to share your story. And what we want to do is, yes, the stats are important, but we want to put a face to those stats so that anyone listening will realize we're talking about real people with real struggles. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Tell us a little about, about yourself and your journey with depression. I have experienced depression for most of my life. I didn't always acknowledge it. Those around me didn't always acknowledge it. But there's also a family history of depression. My mother um, has been on antidepressants and dealing with depression long before I was born. She also had eating disorders. And so that's what I grew up in. And then I also, she was also married to a gentleman who was emotionally abusive both to her and to me. So she didn't see what was happening to me. So I spent a lot of time growing up feeling worthless and unloved and just not really even part of my family. Like not even like they wanted me there a lot of the times. And it was... It was really hard. So adding that in 
to a already family history of depression. And a lot of it's been undiagnosed and untreated. But looking back at some of my family members, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I see that in them as well. Um, I also have dealt with a lot of grief. My father died when I was 23. His mother died a couple of years before that. And his father died only three months before he did. That is a lot. That's a lot. And you were sharing with me a little bit about how those deaths impacted you. Can you can you talk about that? Yeah. It was difficult because my dad and I had not been close while I was growing up. He was very smart and he not much of a people person. He didn't know how to interact with kids at all. So we didn't really mesh. My parents divorced when I was three. So I wasn't around my father a lot, just usually on the weekends, every other weekend. And then when I got into high school and was busy, we didn't go and see him all that often. But the last year of his life, we were talking a lot. And he was a Christian, and he was sharing his story a little bit more. And we were connecting on that level a lot where we hadn't before. So when he passed away, there was a lot of guilt and regret that we hadn't had more time together, that I wasn't closer to him sooner, that I didn't know him as well as I should have. So you felt like you got cheated. Yeah, I did. A lot of unspoken words and feelings and experiences. Yes, yeah. And I took on a lot of guilt and regret that really was not mine to have. Uh, He made decisions um, when we were there not to spend time with us. And I was a kid. There was only so much I could do. So, And then losing my grandma and grandpa was really hard as well. It was really the first deaths that I experienced of close loved ones. And I was close to them. And, and my grandpa had been sick and in a coma for a few months before he passed away. But your grandmother was a very important person in your life. She was, yeah. Both my grandparents, both my grandmothers were, and my dad's grandma was. She, both my grandmas loved me unconditionally and expected, you know, didn't expect me to be somebody else that I wasn't. I think if it wasn't for my grandmas, that my life would have been totally different. You mentioned trying to be somebody that you weren't. Was that something you struggled with growing up, trying to meet the needs or or the expectations of other people? Yes. Yeah. And also my sister and I are only 20 months apart and we went to a small high school. There was only about 70 people in each of our classes. So we had classes together and my sister is extremely smart and not saying that I'm not, I am too, but we're we're smart in different ways. I'm smart in in the arts and history and um, English and she was good at math and science. And so our teachers kind of put us into competition and so did our parents. And so I always felt like I was just not good enough, that I wasn't like my younger sister. You know, I had to be more like her. And did you ever talk to anybody about these feelings? No, because I didn't really notice them until later on in life. Like like it probably maybe did it seem like that was just normal. Yeah, it was just a natural way of life and growing up and being a teenager and having those insecurities that's just part of of growing. So so when you experience these losses in your life is that when you really notice that the depression did did it have an impact that was greater than when you were a teenager? Yes. 
Yeah, it, it did. Just because, like I was saying, I took guilt and regrets that weren't mine to take. And so that really added to the grief, too. And yeah, it was more because the lies from the past that I've been told growing up were resurfacing again. When I went to college and it was kind of free from my parents' expectations and the constant barrage of not being good enough. I was happy and I was free and I enjoyed college and it was a great experience for me. When they, these deaths happened at the end of college and it was also a time where I was looking for jobs and trying to decide where my life was going. A time in your life where you really want those you look for advice, your dad and your grandparents around and they were gone. And with that, half my family was because I wasn't really close with anyone else on my dad's side of the family. Danielle, how would you describe your depression? For me, it was like a deep, dark pit. I didn't, there wasn't any light around me. It was very isolating. I didn't want to be around people. I was really tired. I wasn't sleeping well. And then I would spend all weekend doing nothing but sleeping. I couldn't do anything but go to work. And even that was difficult at times. I was never suicidal, but as I was healing, I was really saying some of my actions were leading to death. It was more passive, not aggressive, but by overeating and not exercising and not seeing a doctor, I, was, I wasn't taking care of myself and I didn't have the energy to do the things that I needed to to take care of myself. How did that affect you socially? Socially, I didn't want to see people. I didn't want to have them around. My house was always a disaster because I just didn't have the energy to clean. So I would never invite anybody over. If it was going to be a big group of people, I wouldn't go to things. If there was a lot of activity, I wouldn't go to stuff. I really just, I wasn't even going to church at, at points because it was just too much for me. Uh, when you say it was too much for you, how does that feel? It's hard because I wanted to be there, but I just couldn't get myself there. I couldn't, I couldn't wake up. I couldn't, I just couldn't take the actions that that needed to be done to get. And it was hard because I wanted, in some ways I wanted to be around people, but in other ways it was easier for me just to be by myself and not have to explain anything to people. And I'm wondering if that kind of added to the pilot of guilt that in your heart you're thinking, I really should be around people, but you know, can't, just can't. There were times that I did things because I knew people wanted me to be there and I would feel bad if I wasn't there. And it was hard because it was just like I, I couldn't do things. And yet I was making myself do things that I really didn't want to do just to please people. I mean, it, it was easier to just do that, you know, please people than to take care of myself. What was the lowest point for you? My darkest, lowest point um, we talked about my other grandmother passing away, but my maternal grandmother passed away in 2010. And she was the one who took care of me when I was sick. Even as an adult, she expected me to come to her house so she could take care of me. She loved doing my laundry, which I never figured out. But she just loved me for who I was. And she was my biggest encouragement ever. And she was like a second mother to me. She really was there a lot of times when my mom couldn't be. It was really hard. 
and then she had asked me to take care of something and my grandfather decided to handle it a different way. So there was, again, guilt because I couldn't do what my grandmother asked me to do. What was your turning point? The turning point was several years later. Um, I had gotten a little bit better and then my grandfather passed away about two years later. And then about two and a half years later, my stepfather, my, my mom's third husband, who was a great man, he passed away after a very brief illness. And about six months after he passed away, it was a year ago, um, in October, 2015, I ended up in the emergency room. I was having trouble breathing. Um, I couldn't get enough air into my lungs. My heart was pounding. I had no idea what was going on. And I went to urgent care and they're like, oh, well, you might have blood clot. So you need, need to go to CT, get a CT scan. So they took me to the hospital by ambulance, um, which just kind of adds to the anxiety and stress that you're already feeling. And they're telling you, take a deep breath, relax. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> So, you know, and they didn't find anything wrong with me. My lungs were clear. And I was, you know, they gave me something to relax me, which definitely did. And I went home that night and I slept the next day, back to work the following day, not a problem. But then the day after that, I was getting ready for work and I was starting to have that breathing again. And I had been writing verses in a notebook that I carried around. So I texted my boss, told him I'm going to be a little bit late. And just took some time to read through those verses that I had been finding and calm myself down. And then I decided I can't do this alone anymore. I need to get help. And so that day I found a doctor. I called a counselor and set up appointments. Within a week, I went to the doctors and got put on antidepressants and started seeing a counselor. First of all, you had to take care of your medical issues to make sure that there wasn't anything going wrong medically because you were having a physical reaction to emotional distress. So that's critical of getting in with a good doctor. Then secondly, recognizing I can't do this by myself. And so you went to a counselor and I believe you, you chose a, a biblically based counselor. Yes, I did. And so knowing that, then I know that uh, your faith is an important part of your journey. What were some of the things you learned during that time and, and probably are continuing to learn about God and about faith and how important that part of your life is? Well, what I learned about God is that he's always there. He, even when I can't see him or hear him or feel him, he was always there. He was that dim light at the bottom of the pit. He was a voice that gave me the desire to get out of the pit, and his hand lifted me out of the pit. I know that he doesn't cause our suffering, but he allows it, and he will use it for his good. Learning now more and more how he's going to do that. And the other thing is depression and grief is how God brought me to the end of myself. He made me stop doing everything on my own. Um, when we lost our son Mark, one of the scriptures that was like a light in the darkness for me was from Isaiah 45, that he gives us treasures in the darkness, riches stored in secret places so that we can know that he is the Lord, our God, the one who calls us by name. And uh, actually, when he first gave me that verse, it was when I was waiting for a diagnosis of cancer. I had breast cancer and I didn't know whether it had spread and, you know, what was going to happen. And I knew when I found that verse that he wasn't saying, and I'm going to make you all better, and I'm going to heal you, but he was saying, I'm going to be with you through this, and I'm going to send you treasures that help turn your heart toward me and teach you that I love you and I know you by name. And the same thing happened 
when we lost our son. That was the message. I'm I just like you just said, uh, Danielle, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to forsake you. And the treasures are designed to help turn our heart toward him. And so what you're saying is even though the tre- the depression was deep and dark and the grief was deep and dark, God used it to turn your heart toward him. Do you have any special scriptures that you mentioned going to verses to help you get your um, get you back on track. What what verses do you are your go to scriptures when you're struggling? Well, I had a friend who at this time suggested that I start just reading through the Psalms, and I had. And one of the ones I found was Psalm 40. The whole Psalm is really good, but specifically verses one through three. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. This verse had actually, New Song did a song based on this psalm. And so a few years before that, that was a song that I listened to over and over and over again. It was one of my favorite songs and still is. And you know, it was just where, when I was going through that time, it's what I needed to hear. And I, and I listened to that song too, and and kept reading the Psalm over and over again. And you know, what's interesting in scripture, uh, one of the things that struck me when I was struggling so deeply with grief and depression, and that abyss of hopelessness, and crying out for the Lord to give me some answers, you know, show me what's going on here. And, and what he would always say to, not only to me, but to those all through scripture, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob, Mary even, was, don't be afraid, I'm with you. I will go with you. Don't be afraid, I will go with you. He doesn't map it all out for us, does he? No, he doesn't. He definitely doesn't. So that promise is, it's hard to explain to someone who's never experienced the power of the scripture, but that's the point where we have to say, okay, am I going to believe him or am I not going to believe him? So I take the next step believing there's a floor there, even though I can't see it. Yes. Yeah. What are some of the things you learned about healing? I learned it's hard work. It's really hard work. Things get worse before they start getting better. You have to face things you'd rather not. You have to let go of the pain and sorrow so God's loving can come in. You need to forgive those who hurt you. You have to be honest with yourself and with those helping you. And that was the first thing that I said. I was like, I'm going to be 100% honest with myself. And it was hard because I had to face some real truths about myself, not just about those that hurt me, but things that I did that continued and allowed it to continue to. Yeah, it's usually a two-way street, isn't it? Right, yeah. yeah. Do you struggle with depression today? Not right now. It's always there. You know, when I have a bad day, I need to be careful that it doesn't become a bad week, a bad month, or a bad year. I, along with my doctor, and we've both decided with my history of depression and the family history of depression, that I need to stay on the medication, on the antidepressants. And it's probably going to be a lifelong thing. Most likely, that's that's what I've decided at this point in time. It's not right for everyone, but I don't want to go through that dark pit, and I know the medication helps me. What do you do when you feel like this is a bad day? And I'm, I'm feeling a little nervous about where this could take me. I pray. I have a group of friends that I can text and say, I just need some extra prayer today. I don't even have to tell them what's going on. They will just stop and pray for me. I usually have one or two friends that I will say, 
this is really rough. I'm really having a hard time. I'm more honest with those that are around me. I'd let them know that I'm hurting more. I, I have another verse that I have, as I'm continuing the fight, have really relied on. It's Joshua 1, 7 to 9. And Joshua was the fighter after Moses. He was the one that went in and fought the people in Israel to gain the land. So this is appropriate because this is a fight and it's an ongoing fight. And it's be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord God will be with you wherever you go. So, you know, that's really good you know it's like be in the word you know that's where I turn when I'm starting to feel down I get in the word one of the things that I started doing after my trip to the emergency room was going to the beach once a week I'm lucky I live in southern Florida I can do that (laughs) year-round but there's healing for me in the beach and there has been in the past you know it's the warm sand it's the sun it's a breeze it's the sound of the waves and the sight of the waves it's just relaxing and you just go and stare at the waves or I would bring my Bible and read passages but it always brought me to that calm place so even now when I'm starting to to get a little bit anxious or stuff or stuff's getting too overwhelming I take that break I take that time to just to go and and relax and refocus you've mentioned uh, getting into the word exactly what do you mean by that Sometimes if you have a specific passage that you like to read that you find helpful, you know, just going to that passage or doing a study. I had a friend, like I said, suggest that I read through the Psalms and I started doing that. And there's so much hope and encouragement in the Psalms. I mean, David went through grief and depression as well. And he talks about it in the Psalms and talks about how God helped him. If, if you're listening to our conversation and you're not a person of faith, uh, someone who maybe you go to church once in a while, but you're not involved in a Bible study, this might be a little confusing to you. You might wonder, what in the world are they talking about? What we're talking about is looking at what the Bible has to say about life, because we believe that God is the creator of life. And and we've talked about how important the promises of Scripture were for Danielle. And so you could go to um, a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, and ask for help in selecting a Bible that you could start reading just a psalm a day um, or looking for a book that has all the promises of God and take some of those promises, read through them and pick out some that really hit you, put them on a three by five card, keep them in front of you, make them your go-to place for those times when you're feeling really sad or as though life is just coming crashing down. Something else Danielle said, though, that I think is really important is when you're struggling with depression, especially long-term depression, to get help, to uh, talk to a friend and tell that friend, I can't do this by myself. Will you help me find the right kind of counselor? And at Mark Inc. Ministries, we would be happy to help you do that, to identify someone 
in your community that could get you started in a different direction that could help walk you through on this pathway. Um, and so, Danielle, as you're thinking through your own journey, what are some of the other things that really helped you as you were fighting this war on this depression? Having friends, um, having a, a support, not just to, I had friends that, a group of friends that were close to me that I could say, hey, I just need some extra prayer today. They knew that I was struggling. They knew I was going through counseling and getting help. A lot of my friends have never experienced the things that I have experienced. And so don't, didn't have a clue. But that did not stop them from being there for me through everything. Most of them haven't experienced loss and then, and they haven't gone through depression, but they still showed up. And sometimes those friends are the greatest because you just need a break from, if you're doing the work, it gets hard and you just want to, I don't know, walk on the beach, uh, play volleyball, you know, just do something that, that gets you, watch a, a silly movie, you know, just get you away from what you're dealing with. And it, the community support is, is most important. I mean, I know it's hard for people who are depressed to let other people know that they're suffering, but you know what? Nobody is ever surprised when you tell them that you're suffering because they already know and they want to help you. So you're usually the last person to realize how much help you really need. That's kind of a comical thing to say, but I would agree with you. Um, and I would say to the person who is who is saying, okay, I Danielle's fortunate. She had a church. She had a group of friends. I don't have anybody. I would suggest to you to find a church, look at your community, find a church to go to and start forcing yourself really. And I know that when you're seriously depressed, this is one of the hardest things to do is to step out and to find a community that is going to surround you and a church that is Bible-based. And that might sound funny because you think all churches are, but all churches are not really totally Bible-based. But go to a church that talks about the gospel of Jesus and talks about the gift that he came to give to his people, and that is the gift of salvation and his presence. That's a good place to start for community. And I like to just talk to people who are trying to help a friend with depression. And Danielle, I think you would probably agree that coming alongside of somebody who is depressed can be a really hard place. It can be exhausting. Uh, you don't know what to do. You don't know what to say. You've mentioned a couple things that friends can do and that they did for you, that they came alongside of you. They uh, helped you to get out. They helped you to do things. Some of the things that we have to remember is that depression is not something that you can just get over. That, and I think that's the tendency for friends to say to someone who's struggling with depression, you just need to get up. You just need to get over it. You just need to push through it. And yes, that is part of the counsel, but it's, as you said, it's hard work, it's hard labor, and it's going to take time. And friends need to be in it for the long haul. And I, I just want to clarify something with my friends. A lot of the friends that were there for me through this last bout of depression were friends I made during my depression. They weren't friends that were there before the depression came around. They were friends that I forced myself to go and do things, and I made these friends through that. So it's hard but it can be done. So it's kind of part of your medicine, part of your healing. Right. But yeah, some of the things that help is you can't tell the person they need help. They have to realize it's themselves. I had so many people say, why don't you get some help? You really need some help. Why don't you go to counseling? And what that does is push you further away from getting help. One of the things that could help 
is be prepared for when they do ask you for help. You know, find some counselors in the area. Do some research for them. Find some doctors. You know, find out what they need um, for when they're ready for help because they might not be able to find it on their own. They might not have the strength and energy. You know, offer to drive them. Pick them up and drive them if they need that. But just just be there. You know, if I push a lot of people away, but a lot of people are like, nope, I'm coming. You, you know, um, bring them dinner. Don't even ask them. Just drop by and bring dinner. Don't mention their messy house or their appearance because that's just going to make it worse for them. Just ignore it. I know it's hard because I know how bad my place got at times, but you just need to, to ignore it. Don't put that on them because it's just going to bring more guilt to them. Just be there to listen. In other words, show up. Yeah. Just show up. Just show up. Don't invite them to events where there's going to be a lot of people and a lot of things going on because it's going to be too much for them. But invite them over for dinner and a movie night or go over to their place or take them to the beach. Just something that's calm that will doesn't cause them to have to talk to people a lot or overtax them. So, Danielle, where do you see yourself now? Now I'm doing well. I, you know, I do have a plan for if something happens, but right now I'm strong. I know there's going to be th- more things for me to deal with in the future, but I'm doing good. I'm waiting for the next step, and I'm starting to take steps to make more friends. I'm inviting more people into my life for relationships, and I'm happy with my life. I'm doing things that I love again. I'm doing all my crafts, a lot of things that I kind of backed away from when I was depressed. I'm, I'm looking forward to life. I mean, one of the things that I did through my counseling was I chose to live. And what I mean by that is I was alive, but I wasn't living. So now I look at my choices as, is this going to cause me, is this going to bring me life? Or is it going to lead me closer to death? And I choose the things that are bringing me life. I don't worry about pleasing everybody because I can't. And it's not healthy for me. You know, I'm able to handle things. I was diagnosed with diabetes earlier, um, a few months ago, and before it would have just been the end. You know, it would have just been the biggest thing in the world. And I'm fighting. You know, I'm changing everything I need to do, and I'm living life. And that's a good place to be, and it's a place I haven't been in a really long time. Danielle, you've mentioned throughout our conversation your dependence on the Bible and scriptures, and I'd just like to speak to that as we wrap up our time together. To those who are listening, what what we're talking about is more than a universal acknowledgement of a big God, the man up in the sky, something that is really way beyond our daily life. We're talking about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And that personal relationship comes when we recognize that we need a Savior and that Jesus, the man of sorrows, the one who understands depression, who uh, experienced every emotion, every feeling, every temptation that we have experienced, that man, who is also the Son of God, came to earth to die on a cross for us and then to rise again from the dead 
and to offer to us that gift of salvation. But the amazing thing is that the gift of salvation, which is eternal life, is also a gift for, as Daniel said, living life now, for seeing life through the grid of something bigger than ourselves and through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we want to encourage you to think about that in your own life. That could be the starting point for you if you're struggling for depression or in any circumstance in your life to think about what is your relationship to Jesus Christ is your relationship not just to a universal God but to his son in a very personal way and then as you answer that question turn your heart to the the words that he has left for us that guide us through life, the words that Danielle has read to us in our conversation about his presence and about how he really is our foundation and how that promise of his presence is 24-7 all the time. You're never alone. We hope that this conversation has offered you help and hope that it has helped you understand better the struggle with depression. We also want to invite you to visit markinc.org, that's M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org, where you'll find many more free resources that offer help and hope to the hurting. We address such topics as the loss of a loved one. We have a special series for our military families called Coming Home from War. We have a conversation with people who have experienced adultery, what it means to forgive, um, terminal illness, chronic illness, uh, and many others. Uh, We also have a series that address the needs of young people. So visit markinc.org, M-A-R-K-I-N-C.org. There you have an opportunity to tell us what you thought about this interview. Uh, whether it has helped you, and also to contact us for more information on how to experience the help and hope of the gospel. My name is Sharon Betters, and I hope we'll hear from you soon.